This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. I'm your host, Miriam Marston. And once again, it's a real privilege to be with you each week as we explore the church's evangelizing mission from a variety of perspectives and approaches. And this week, we get to hear yet another story of how God has worked powerfully in a person's life. In this instance, my guest was drawn back to the church through the boundless and tender mercy of our Lord. As you'll hear her describe, Jesus met her at the lowest points and opened a door to restoration, to new life, and to her deepest identity, which is found in Christ. Elizabeth Gillette is a pro-life speaker and author, and her book, Above All Love, Discerning Ways to Defend Life with Charity and Justice, was recently released by our Sunday Visitor Publishing Company. As Elizabeth explains, after all her experience, her ups and downs, she wanted to write a book to help all of us look inward so that we can venture outward. I think right there, Elizabeth captures the whole spirit of evangelization, that before we can attempt to bring the good news to others, the news of the saving truth and love of Jesus, we have to take stock of our own soul. Have we ourselves been flooded and transformed by this news, by the gospel, by the healing touch of the divine physician? Another way to put it is, our evangelizing efforts are only as strong and fruitful as the degree to which we are personally striving for and growing in holiness by the grace of God. Pursuing sanctity gets us on the road, gets us moving, rushing towards God and towards others, impelled by love. But sin makes us into statues, paralyzed and stuck, maybe even sinking. And there were moments when Elizabeth felt like she was sinking, sliding into despair, lost in her sin and her wounds. And she'll share with us some of those turning points where Christ pulled her upwards away from her past and ultimately bringing her home. So I'll let her take it from here, and I do want to mention ahead of time that we tackle some tough topics, including abortion, in our conversation. So again, I want you to be aware of that, but above all, aware of the astounding love and mercy that Jesus extends to each and every one of us, no matter our past, no matter our story. So here's my interview with Elizabeth, and I'll be back with a brief reflection on the other side of the conversation. I'm joined by Elizabeth Gillette, who is a pro-life author and speaker. Her uh, her new book, Above All Love, uh, Discerning Ways to Defend Life with Charity and Justice, has just been released. Elizabeth, it's great to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm so good. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's very exciting. 
Well, Elizabeth, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the road that that might have led to this book um, and discovering the ways of of love. Um, wh- where did you grow up, and was the faith something that was already in your environment as you were growing up? Yeah, I had. Um, I like to call it the golden childhood. I had an amazing family, three older brothers. My dad um, was a Protestant. He still is a Protestant. And my mom was a practicing Catholic. And so I had a beautiful foundation of, I saw, you know, Jesus and had a relationship with him from both sides. And I really had a gift in my father um, who had just this really personal relationship with Jesus. And we would just talk about God sitting around the table. And I wasn't really introduced to the Catholic faith heavily until my senior year of high school. And I had um, dreams and visions of a chalice floating towards me. And I remember asking my mom, what, what is this first of all, and how do I get it? And so she took me to RCIA and she was my sponsor, my senior year of high school. And so I was brought into the fullness of the faith um, Easter vigil in 2006. So that was the beginning of my, my Catholic journey. That's really beautiful. So how did things kind of settle after that, sort of exploring the faith, the sacraments? Give us a few of the highlights from those early years. Well, sure. I think it's important to remember that just because we enter the church doesn't mean that the door flies open for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I really wanted it to fly open and I really wanted to know who Jesus was, yeah. but I was very much a part of the world still. Mm-hmm. And especially in college and then beyond, I was making choices that were separating me from Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, I fell heavily into the sins of sexuality and was mm-hmm. seeking someone that could lead me and someone that could, you know, create a family with me or a relationship with me. And I was looking for that in, in the wrong places. I was looking for it in the places that the world said I should look. And in reality, God says that he's enough and that you don't need those things, but that you can, you can ask and receive those things through the sacrament of marriage. Mm. Uh, But I, I didn't, I didn't want to wait, I guess maybe. (laughs) Um, It was something that was just very, very difficult for me. I am a product of my generation and um, I, I just went astray. And I think I always had Jesus with me. He never left me. Right. Right. Um, but I, I had created a barrier between he and I. And so then I, I stopped going to mass or when I did go to mass, I wasn't receiving all of the graces that I could. And it culminated in, um, an unplanned pregnancy, Mm -hmm. which was, um, just really devastating. Um, my boyfriend at the time who was also a practicing Catholic said that it was the worst possible thing that could happen to him in his life. And so as a woman, I felt like it was my responsibility to protect his future and to safeguard him because I'm a natural caregiver, but that pitted me against my own child. And so I, I ended up going to Planned Parenthood um, and I, I had a chemical abortion, which was devastating. And I ended up having post-traumatic stress from that experience and um, eating disorder and broken relationships after that. It was, mm. it was just a, a really deep, dark hole that I sank into. 
And you would think that that might be enough, right? That God would snap me out of this lifestyle. But um, like so many saints before me, um, I had to fall even farther. And I had a second unplanned pregnancy. Excuse me. And I ended up carrying my daughter to term. And she's 11 now, and she's just the light of my life. She's so amazing. (laughs) Um, And it was in the moment where I held her in the hospital. I was all alone. Um, Her biological father was not in the picture. I carried her by myself. I remember holding her and looking at her and saying, "I, I will never hurt you. I will never hurt you. And I don't think I even understood in the moment what that meant. What that meant was I, I chose life for you. And, and I did it despite these enormous odds that were against me. And despite everyone, you know, against me, I felt at the time. Um, and, and you know what? You would think that that would be enough to turn me back towards reality and that Christ is, right. is enough for me, but it wasn't. Hmm. I ended up getting pregnant again my third crisis pregnancy. And I know today I can speak about this without shame because, you know, Jesus, he forgives and he washes all of that away. And today I have the blessings from this. I have my children. Um, So I had my, my second living child that I gave birth to and became pregnant with him. And it was at that moment, I, I have one deceased in heaven. I have one with me and I'm pregnant with a third. And it's at that moment that I went to confession for the first time in years. I carried my daughter. I walked in. I, I sat before the priest. I said, I, I need to do this face to face because this part of my life needs to end. And I walked out of that confessional completely reborn. I was a new creation. It was like the weight of the world had lifted off of me. And I, I came out armed with truth and with grace and with Christ fighting with me. And (laughs) you would think that that would be enough, right? (laughs) But like so many women, I just did not have the formation or the strength to to do it right every time, right? Mm -hmm. Becoming a holy person is something that we do over our entire lifespan, yeah. And, you know, I, I struggled and I continued to fight because I wanted more than anything to, to be holy and to stand before the Lord in mass and to stand before the Lord at the end of my life and say, I got it. I got it right. Finally. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I, I finally was able to say, this is what chastity looks like. And, and mm-hmm. this is what making those poor choices did to me. And, and I have the courage now to say, Christ is enough. Mm. So that started the the beginning of my my reversion. I came mm-hmm. back to the church. I came back mm-hmm. to all of the beautiful traditions and the beautiful things that the church offers me. And that started, I think, really the a new life for me. That confession was the beginning for me. Oh, praise God. Oh, and I... I, the power of confession is just, it's, um, it's incomparable really that it has the, the power to, to really bring us back to, to our very baptism where we were given that new creation, that I, new identity in Christ. And it brings us back to that moment where we're just 
just dripping wet <laughs> with, yeah. with that grace and that new life. It's just, it's so beautiful. And I thank God for that, that that's what, that's what he did in your life. And it's, it's what he wants to do in so many people's lives. Uh, for those Absolutely. who are just, for those who are just tuning in, I am speaking with uh, Elizabeth Gillette, who is a pro-life author and speaker. Um, Elizabeth, from, from that point, um, where did you start to get inspirations to, to maybe synthesize some of your, your own experiences, your own discernment, and ultimately gets brought together, those threads get brought together in this book. What did some of that journey look like? Well, I think it's important to point out that the main sin that I confessed was my abortion. Mm -hmm. And I was able to name my child. I was able to slowly start to heal from all of that pain. And Christ was the one who healed me. And I I did have to go to counseling and I did have to, you know, seek spiritual advice. But Christ was the center of that healing. And through that healing, I was able to start sharing the truth mm-hmm. about the chemical abortion, about the lies that were told to me, about the coercion that I experienced at, at Planned Parenthood from the doctor there. Um, and I think it's important for people to understand that that is happening in Planned Parenthood and in abortion facilities. Women are being coerced. Um, I asked to see my ultrasound and she told me that um, that wasn't their policy. And she knew that I didn't want to be there and that I had asked for a refund and that I wanted to leave. And so instead of showing me my actual ultrasound, she the wand was moving inside my body and she showed me a still image. So either she did a print screen or she did a pause screen um, and showed me that. And then she said, well, I'm so sorry, your baby has died anyway, you're going to miscarry. So you're not actually killing a child. Um, it was, I think she was trying to offer me an out in order for me to continue with the abortion, which doesn't really make sense when you think about it, because the way chemical abortion works is you take the first pill that stops the absorption of progesterone, it actually kills the child, it starves the embryo. And so if my child was already deceased in the womb, if I had actually already miscarried, I wouldn't have needed that medication. Mm -hmm. And yet she still prescribed it and watched me take that medication. Mm -hmm. So, excuse me. I think it's important for people to understand what's actually happening. Um, and that, and that people in the church are, are doing this and experiencing this and are, are Mm -hmm. sins to this or are slaves to this sin and are afraid to go to confession. And they're afraid to give up that secret, but, but the secret is only a secret here on earth. You can only keep it a secret from other human beings because God knows. He knows what we've done and he knows what's in our hearts and he wants more than anything to shed his blood for you and for that sin. And I think when I realized finally that 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 was given to me and that he was on that cross for me, Mm -hmm. I was able to come out of that pit of despair. I was able to offer my suffering for him and for others. And I was asked to fly to Indiana to speak and share my testimony about my abortion um, against Whole Women's Health, which was a very, very large abortion conglomerate in Indiana. And I said yes. And I did fly out there and we did testify, several of us women, but it was the conversation that I had with Christ before I said yes. I said, I'm going to get emotional. That's okay. Yeah. I said, Lord... If it will give my child's life meaning, Mm -hmm. 
I will say yes. And I'll say yes every single time that you ask me. I will not seek. I will not seek fame. I will not seek um, admiration. But the answer, if you ask, will always be yes. And from that yes, I have been asked many times to speak, to testify, to fight back, to speak truth, to help women, to, to pray for those who are in this position. And ultimately, the Lord asked me to write. And I, and I don't like <laughs> to the cliche of God told me to write a book. It wasn't like that. Yeah. God told me to, he told me to read my Bible. Mm. And he told me to read my catechism. Mm. And as I was sitting down every morning at five in the morning to read my catechism and to read my Bible, he revealed things to me. And from what he revealed in my own learning and my own study, I was able to write the book. Wow. So each chapter that you'll find in the book was actually a morning of prayer. And I was able to compile those into what you see now in the book. And I learned through that process. It, it wasn't really for everyone else. It was for me. And from those gifts, I was able to share. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I love that it's, it's, it wasn't so much an exercise in writing, but really an exercise first in reading, reflection, in your own prayer. And from that flowed the writing um, that you yeah. would be led to. Where can people learn more about you and this book that was just released? Well, you can go to my website, elizabethgilletauthor.com, or you can go to our Sunday Visitors website, oursundayvisitor.com. Um, that's my publisher. And um, I think it's also important to um, recognize that the book did receive the seal from the church. So you're not going to find anything in there that's contrary to our faith, which to me is very important. I, I don't want to lead anyone astray, and I want to point people towards the the summative you know, the foundation of our church, which is Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. you can, you can find it at our Sunday visitor. You can find it on Amazon, Burns and Noble, wherever you prefer to purchase books. Wonderful. So we'll make sure to direct our listeners uh, in that direction, but I'm looking even just at the title. So above all love, uh, discerning ways to defend life with charity and justice. So first of all, Elizabeth, who did, who was the audience that you had in mind as you were putting this together? Well, my ministry is not to go out and change people's minds. Um, we have people that do that, that go out and interact with pro-choice choice individuals. My ministry is is within our own flock, within the Catholic Church. And it's important that we minister to ourselves because we are called to be holy. We are called to sanctify ourselves. So I think it's important that we minister to ourselves first because we're called to sanctification. We are called to holiness. And if we are not focused inward, how can we then venture outward? How can we go out and make a difference if we're not aligning ourselves with the will of Jesus, with the will of God? And so in my decade of pro-life work, I have seen so many fractures and mistakes and, and people that are doing things or saying things that they think that it's correct and they want to make a difference, but they don't have an understanding of what their words are actually doing or how they may be pushing people towards abortion facilities. Mm. And so I feel like my ministry is really for ourselves 
to understand what Jesus meant. He meant that we need to love above all else. You need to love women regardless of their choices because they have human dignity. We need to love and pray for those that are committing abortions because they have human dignity. Yeah. 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 So uh, the format of your book then, is it just uh, kind of standard chapters or do you have questions for reflection or any prayers, Elizabeth, in the book? Yeah, the book is actually, it's going to take you on a journey, a spiritual journey of discovery. Each Mm -hmm. chapter is very short, very easy to read. um, And it's broken up into little categories like um, how your words can affect others and um, how rash judgment can affect others. And there's a section on how to breach the subject of adoption, because that is an area that we often make mistakes without meaning mm, to. Yeah. And at the end of every chapter, there's several reflection questions. There's scripture that you can look up. There's It guides you into... Um, into yourself and into what do I feel about this? And some of the questions might be a little bit challenging or a little bit difficult because it's it's hard to stretch. It's hard to see things in a new way. Um, but at the end of the book, if you've done all the work and you've you've done the reading and you've done the praying, there's a examination of conscience mm. that will help you go to confession because this is where we started, right? Confession right. is where this ministry started for me. And so I would love for those of us who read the book to do that internal work and to bring that to the Lord. And mm. and He will show you where you may be faltering and where you can improve to save mm. lives and to do so in love. Yeah. And you'll also find... Um, some beautiful prayers, some that I wrote and some that were written by saints that have gone before us that will help us focus on on the goal, which is to save lives, both born, unborn, all the way until natural death. And yeah. that's that's the idea, right? To, to use what God has given us in this beautiful mosaic that is the pro-life ministry to work together, um, to combat the selfishness that we might feel, you know, it's very easy to say, well, I wrote a book and you should read my book and no one else's. Right. <laughs> That's not what God wants. You know, he wants us to support each other. He wants us to work together and and to do so in love. And and what is love? Well, Christ is love. So to do it with him and to align our wills with him. Oh, wonderful. Uh, thanks, Elizabeth. We, we have a, a couple minutes left, and um, I just want to ask you if you have one last message for our listeners, just a sign of hope that you have seen somewhere or just a word of encouragement or something you'd like to leave us with uh, today. I like to leave people with um, a, a spiritual exercise that I love to do. Yeah. Um, because in this pro-life ministry, it's very easy to become angry at those who are on the other side. And we need to remember that they're human beings and that God wants them to come home and that it's not too late for them. Mm -hmm. So imagine in your mind um, an abortion doctor. Let's imagine that he has committed 14 to 20 abortions per day, five days a week for the last 20 years. And I want you to imagine um, the anger that you may be feeling towards him or, you know, I've heard people say that I want to, I want to. I want to punch him, you know, Um, those are normal feelings. But now I want you to imagine him on his birthday. 
He was born just like you and I were born, innocent, and his mother held him, and there was rejoicing, and he was kissed, and he was loved. Imagine him as a tiny infant, and from there, cultivate the love for his dignity, for his human being, for his person, right? And and if we can learn to do that, if we can learn to look past the hatred, past the anger, and, and past all the pain that we experience as human beings, and see them for the true human born in the image of God, then we are on our way. We're on our way to loving everyone. Above all, we should love people first, despite what they're doing, right? Just this, this exercise will help us to see the dignity of everyone, regardless of where they are on their own faith journey. Mm. Thank you for that spiritual exercise, Elizabeth. That was beautiful. And thank you so much for your time today. I ask that God continue to bless you, your family, and your pro-life ministry. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. When Elizabeth got to the moment of that pivotal experience in the sacrament of confession, she went into that experience saying, this part of my life needs to end. Now, even though Elizabeth and I have had different journeys, these words certainly resonated with me, and I would guess that they'd resonate with you too. You know, in the spiritual life, we sometimes arrive at these places when we finally acknowledge, perhaps saying out loud, I am ready for the next chapter. I am ready to put the past behind me. And the Lord is there. In fact, He never left. He is always prepared to help us turn the page and take the step. He just waits for us to open the door, even a crack, an inch, a centimeter. He will move through any open door he finds in our heart. And from there, he begins that healing ministry. He starts to restore. He gives us hope. And as Elizabeth reminds us, it's truly amazing what God can do if we stay close to this promise to say yes to His will whenever we can, however we can. Elizabeth said yes, and the Lord multiplied her fiat and revealed to her more ways that God could work through her to reach others so that the message of God's healing could keep spreading. So I hope that we can all, in the coming days and months, be attentive to those ways that God is asking us to be instruments of His healing. And God won't send us anywhere on our own. Let's remember those words from Deuteronomy chapter 31, where we hear, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you and will never fail you or forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to blaze a trail of hope and healing in our world today. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, Visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through matradayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. 
And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.